with you this morning, and uh, we're launching a new sermon series today. And, uh, the series is actually called Relentless Love. Relentless Love. You kind of heard those words in that song that we just uh, had sung to us here at the offertory, but Relentless Love. It's all about God reaching out to us consistently, repeatedly, because of His passion and compassion for us. And uh, we're going to be diving into the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah. All right, and as we look in the Old Testament at Jonah, he's actually a prophet, and there's some details that were shared about him. Now, there's a lot of people that are like, dude, I I go through the book of Jonah, I don't even know if it's real. Did you know that? Like, there's a lot of people that are like, "I, I don't know, I question whether something, there's a lot of really wild things that happen in that book. Is it true? I'm not sure I believe it. And just so we're clear, like 2 Kings chapter 14, actually talks about Jonah the prophet, the son of Amittai. He's referred to in 2 Kings. Jesus actually talks about him in Matthew chapter 12, 39 to 41. He says, hey, just so we're clear, there's the sign of Jonah. And he talks about who Jonah is and what Jonah meant there and how that applies even into the life of Jesus. And uh, man, I'm just telling you, very credible witnesses speaking to the reality of Jonah and the truthfulness of this book. And so as we dive into this book, uh, really you have kind of two choices. As you're seeing things happen that seem like really big, right? We have one of two responses. We're like, come on, really that? Right, that's one response. Or here's the other one. You're kidding me, even that? Like that's the challenge we have. And there's a lot of people like somehow their God is too small in their mind and they just don't want to look at giant miracle work and God doing a huge uh, thing in our lives. But we serve the risen Savior and the God who can do anything. And all of God's people said, Amen. it's a huge deal. So as we dive into the book of Jonah, good for us to be starting to say, God, show me your bigness. I'm ready to see it. May I be blown away with you. Now, as we dive in here, we're going to be looking at his relentless love, how he poured into some individuals and nations, how he brought them towards him, God's passion and mercy as he calls people towards him. But more than that, not just that he has a message of relentless love, but that he sends messengers and that we have a chance to be a part of that, to be called into that to hear that message and to share that message out into a needy world, all right? So Lord, help me to see your relentless love. Help me grasp that message with all I've got. And God, I'm ready also to hear what does it mean to be a messenger for you? You know, we talked a lot about um, sin in the last series here. We talked a lot about this boat taking on the water of the sea of selfishness. Man, are we gonna see a lot about a boat and some water today, right? And uh, so do me a favor, turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, it's in the Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament. And uh, if you need to, feel free to use your table of contents at the front, right? You may not have been to this book in a while. Jonah, towards the end of the Old Testament there, as we dive in on learning a little bit more about his relentless love and how we can be a messenger of that relentless love. Point number one. See the privilege of being able to share Jesus. See the privilege of being able to share Jesus. Man, if we're going to be a messenger of God, we've got to be able to grasp the privilege of who Jesus is and what it means to share him. Here we go, starting in Jonah chapter 1. 
It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. We'll just hold there. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Everybody say, that's a big deal. Right, the word of the Lord came to him. This isn't one of those moments where Jonah was like, you know, I kind of feel like maybe... I was thinking deeply, and and I was doing a little praying, and I felt like maybe God was implying that I should, everybody say, not that. Like, this isn't that. In fact, he actually has quote from God in just a moment here, right? So this is a big moment. This is that moment where Jonah literally is hearing the voice of God, whether audible or somehow inside his soul, doesn't say, but so clear that he's able to quote what God is challenging him with. Right, and I'll just do a little side statement. You've heard me say this repeatedly around here, but um, and we have to be so careful with phrases like "God told me," right? And as we're beginning to pray through things and we're coming to some level of conviction, it's not wrong to say it that way. I was praying through things, and I was coming to some level of conviction, right? When we start using phrases like "God told me," you better be able to put quotes on it. You know what I'm saying? That's a really big deal. And this is a very unique moment with Jonah and God. And uh, he's got this special word from the Lord. And Jonah, it says, the son of Amittai. He's the prophet here, probably uh, dated because of 2 Kings and where it lands, probably somewhere in that 750 to 800 BC, all right? Probably about 800 years before the time of Christ, something like that, all right? That's where Jonah was at. And um, it says, arise. Go to Nineveh. This is the quote of what God had to say to him, what the Lord had to say. Arise, go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, right? Nineveh is this uh, place where there is a lot of depravity. It's horrible. Like they're vicious, they are mean, they are ruthless. When they take over and dominate a nation, they end up doing unspeakable things to the people, to their wives, to their kids. It's horrible what goes on. The Assyrian nation is nasty. And God's like, hey, here's the plan. Get up and go to Nineveh. Now, just so we're clear, Jonah's kind of like on the Mediterranean Sea. Picture like Mediterranean Sea over here. He's kind of on the Mediterranean up in Israel about 550 miles up and over, kind of in the area of Iraq. That's where he's sending them. 550 miles by foot. This is like, get ready for a month-long travel of 20 miles a day walking. Go up and over to Nineveh. We've got a message to send to them. So he's like, here's the deal, Jonah. Here's what I want you to do. It's a really long walk, all right? It's going to be long. And then I'm sending you to a really nasty group of people. Doesn't this sound awesome, right? Jonah's got to be like, you're kidding me. That's the request. And uh, go to Nineveh, he says, that great city. I mean, it was huge. It was really, they believe, probably only smaller than Babylon at that time. 
Probably the only city bigger was Babylon, just massive and spreading. And like I said, the capital of Assyria over the course of time, that great city. The word here, great, it's actually used nine or ten times throughout Jonah. We're going to see the word great pop up over and over again. Watch for it. He's making a statement when he's using the word great. And here he says that great city. So he's like, there's a nation of people. There's this massive collection of people. And I'm going to move in this huge city. And we're going to see a great work of God in this great city. He says, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Remember who they are. right? And Jonah's like, Right? He hears the words, go to Nineveh. He's like, you're kidding me. The ruthless people who kill people, they abuse people, they're horrible to people. I want you to go there and call out against them. Oh, that'll go well. Right? That, I'm thinking that's a great plan. I'm just going to walk in and start telling everybody I meet they're wrong. And let's see how long I live. Right? I want you to call out against them for their evil has come up before me. Jonah's like, do you think? No kidding, the evil has come up before you. For sure it has. It's come up before me. And I don't know everything. These guys are horrible. And really, I want you to go to that great city. I want you to speak out against it. It says, but. (laughs) So God gives him a command. And the next statement that's written is a contradiction, right? And uh, hey, Jonah, here's what I want you to do. Get up and go. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now we have to grasp this. Jonah's sitting on the Mediterranean. It's about 550 mile walk over this way, right? Headed east to go over to Nineveh. He flees to Tarshish. That is literally 2,500 miles this way. Spain is pretty much what they're thinking. He's like, you want me to go over there? Yeah, yeah, okay. I hear you. I'm going this way, 2,500 miles away by boat. That's his plan. His plan is maybe I can geographically remove myself from the presence of the Lord, right? I'm going to get out of here and see if I can get, he says, literally going to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Everybody say that's a bad plan, right? God who is present everywhere. And Jonah's like, I don't know, maybe not in Tarshish. I'm out of here. And he's going to go five times further the other way. And uh, let's see what happens. And he's trying to get there, get away from the presence of the Lord. It says he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Man, don't miss this. This is a man of God. This is a prophet. God's speaking to him very specifically and giving him very clear call out of what he wanted him to do. And this prophet man of God says, no thank you, and heads the other direction. How often we miss what God is doing and we start headed our own way or going after our own thing. Man, seeing what God is calling us to is so important. You know, this past week, uh, we went out to dinner, Uh, the elders were out to dinner, and uh, we went out to chat and collect our thoughts together and just enjoy a dinner out, and then we came back here and had our elder meeting, and while we were out to dinner, uh, we had to order, and the area where we were at was a little bit dark. Have you ever been in one of those places 
where they give you something where you have to read. I don't know if they know this, but it takes a little light to read, right? They give you the menu and then it's completely black and you're like, I have no idea what, <laughs> right? Like what in the world? And I wanna blame it on the light. The reality is it's probably a little bit of age too. So then there's some point where I'm like having to, that's it, I pull out my phone, I'm having to like turn on the phone, I'm trying to light it up, that's not working. Have you ever had to do this where you turn on the camera and you're like zooming the camera in? <laughs> so you can, have you ever had to do that? You're like starting to read it with the camera and I'm like, I have to look ancient of days. I can't, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I have no idea how this thing is even laid out, right? And then it says, like, you have a choice of sides. You're like, where are the sides? Now you're looking all over the thing, right? Have you ever had that moment of hunting? I'm telling you, it makes a world of difference when you can actually see. And it changes it all. And all of a sudden, just by getting the light splashed on it and seeing around on it, I could see where everything was laid out and the map of things and what the choices were and what I had as options and I was able to order out. Man, I'm telling you, it requires us being able to see what God is doing and what he's calling us to for us to begin to grasp the privilege of it all. Do you see or are you feeling like you're a bit in the dark? And it's time for us to say, Lord, light it up. God, I'm ready to see it. Lord, reveal to me what I need to know. Maybe God's calling you very specifically to a very specific message and messenger to a person where you're having a privilege of sharing the love of Jesus Christ with them. And are you able to see what God is doing in your life, in the life of your friends, in the life of your family? being able to see how God is sharing out his relentless love and you get to be a part of that. Can you see what God is doing in and through you and around you? Absolutely essential that that is the first point. Make sure you've got some light shown on what God is doing and see it the way God sees it. Otherwise, when he calls you this way, you're gonna be headed that way and headed where God really isn't saying that's what he wants you to do at all. May we head exactly where God wants us to be. That's point number one, C. Point number two, allow. Allow God to get your attention even in the circumstances of life. Allow God to get your attention in the circumstances of life. Man, make sure that you are giving your worship to your God and make sure that the circumstances of life bring that to bear. Jonah took off. He was headed for Tarshish, right? God gave him the call out, and he's like, no thanks. Going five times further the other way. He says, but the Lord hurled a great wind. Now, there's two words in this phrasing that you got to hear. Hurled. We're going to hear it over and over in this passage. The Lord hurled. He literally is throwing a great wind. Remember, we said we'd hear the word great nine or ten times over, right? He's hurling a great wind wind. If you have any question of what this great wind is like, just go out in our parking lot. <laughs> right? right? Is that crazy? There was a moment where I literally almost got blown into the parking guy. 
We're coming by talking, and then we're getting blown towards him, and I'm about ready to run him over. And great wind, it moves you. It pushes you. It builds up waves. It starts throwing the rain at harsh levels, like pelting levels. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. By the way, that word mighty there is just another word for great. In the Hebrew, that's the same word being built out. It's a great wind and a great tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Man, this is a seafaring strong boat. They are used to going out and taking on weather. And this boat is getting torn apart. Pieces of wood are flying off. It's creaking and shaking, and you can feel this thing about ready to come undone, right? That's how big the wind and waves are. It says, then the mariners were afraid. All right, that's how big the wind is. These dudes who are out on the water all the time got shaken to the core. These boys are big, they are rough, they are bad, they are out there a lot, and they have a ton of experience. And this is well beyond what they normally see. And they're like, this doesn't look good, man. This is looking bad. I haven't seen it. Like, can you imagine big burly dudes used to it, thing going up and down, pieces flying off everywhere. And they're like, it ain't looking good, right? That's not a moment where really you would feel that comfortable, right? If you were on that boat and those guys were freaking out, that probably would make me begin to question things a little too. The mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his little G God. Not the God, a God. Something made up, some idol that they had in their mind, they began to cry out. Their movement was to try to pray. And uh, please note they are crying out for help. And crying out for help is very different than crying out for repentance. Okay, at this moment, they are not in any way trying to get right with Yahweh, the Lord. They are crying out to their little G God and looking for some kind of little H help, right? And uh, they're just going after some kind of prayer moment here. And uh, it says, and they hurled, remember I told you you'd see that word a couple times over, right? So the Lord hurls a wind. Now they're hurling. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. So they're praying and they're practical. By the way, these guys are super not saved at this point. They don't know what's going on, but that's really not a bad recipe. Pray and do some practical things. It's not, God, you fix it all. And I just sit here and I whine, right? And it's not, I've got this. Forget what God's doing. I'll do it. Like, it's not that either. And he's like, the Lord is hurling a great wind. So they start hurling cargo off. Right? And so as the hurling is coming at them, they're hurling the little things out, trying to keep this boat afloat. They were trying to lighten it. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. It's hard work running from God. I'm telling you, he has been exhausted spiritually, he is exhausted emotionally, he is exhausted physically, and he goes down in the bottom of this boat, and while it's coming unglued, he's asleep. And uh, it says, so the captain came and said to him, 
Now think about what you might say to a guy asleep when you're trying to salvage the boat and people are throwing things off all over the place and they're freaking out. What would you say? The captain comes and says to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Dude, doesn't that sound like a grammar school call out? It sounds like a little third grade thing. You're just a, a sleeper. You know, like that's it. That's the best name you could come up with. There's nothing, like he just starts throwing out this one word, you're a sleeper. And for these guys who work hardcore all day long, that was a massive name call out. You are, no, you are lazy, good for nothing. You just lay here and all of that is implied within that one word. You're a sleeper. You're one of them. You're not doing any work. You're just hanging around, you sleeper. And uh, he says, arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give you a thought to us that we may not perish. He begins to tell the prophet how to pray. The pagan guy is telling the prophet guy how to get on his knees and pray. And that's a bad moment for Jonah. He's completely missing it. He's decided to run from God, and because he's on the run from God, he's really not warming up and getting close to God in the midst of his circumstances. And God ends up using a pagan, burly sailor dude to be like, that's it, Mr. Sleeper Man. Get up, get on your knees, and get in this thing with us. Here we go. Start your praying. And uh, he says... Maybe we will not perish. When a pagan calls out a prophet, you know things are bad, right? And that's what we have going on here so far. It says, they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Please hear me, man. In the middle of this story is a sovereign God, a God who knows all. And he knows everything he's planning to do. He's like, I'm going to work with this nation over here. I need you to come over here. Jonah's like, no thanks. He's headed the other direction. God's like, hang on, I got a plan for that. Giant wind is coming. In charge of the wind, throwing it down, right? Everything starts to turn upside down. These burly dudes are really freaking out. And so they're like, Let's go to lots and see what happens with it. So as the lots are being cast, the sovereign God of the universe even works within the lots and has it show that Jonah is the one they need to be talking to. The lots come up as pointing to Jonah. They said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? Can you hear him? And you got to say that about as fast as you possibly can and with as much accusation as you possibly can. They're like, what in the world is going on? And where are you from? And who are your people? And what did you do? And what's happening around? What is your occupation, man? What in the world is happening with this? As the waves are pouring over the top and as the boat is continuing to get torn apart and the screaming that they would have had to do just for them to hear over the top of the waves and the storm as they end up throwing the accusation down, dude, it's come to you. Now what's going on? He said to them, I am a Hebrew 
And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He gave them an answer to part of their questions, and then he figured the rest didn't matter. He's like, let me answer you on this. I'm a Hebrew. So he told them the nation he's coming from. I'm of the Jewish nation, right? They just took off from Israel there, Joppa. They just took off to get ready to go on this trip. They know what he's talking about. I'm a Hebrew. And they've heard the stories. He says, I fear the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I fear Yahweh. I fear the God who has a personal name and I know him personally. This God, he is personal. I fear the Lord. The God of heaven, this God has position. He sits in the heavens, he is in charge of everything. He is the God of heaven. Yes, he is personal. And yes, he has position. But more than that, who made the sea and the dry land. And he has power. And the thing that's wigging you out right now, this wind and these waves, he's in charge of it. That's my God. That's who I serve. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I serve the God who is personal, who has position, and he has power. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. I love that moment. These men are afraid when they're looking at the waves and the wind. But when they start to find out there's a God behind the waves and the wind, and these things have purpose, now they are exceedingly afraid. Their fear is beginning to shift what it's on. They're still worrying about their life, but they're beginning to see God behind it all. And they are exceedingly afraid. It says that as he was worrying and concerning them, it says, what is it that you have done? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. How did that conversation go? I can't even imagine how that, he comes down to Joppa, he comes over, he's like, hey, are you guys going to Tarshish? They're like, yeah, we are. He's like, good, I've always wanted to go there. Really? Why'd you want to go to Tarshish? And he's like, well, actually, it's a long story. Oh, okay, whatever. And they start to walk away and he's like, no, really, I'll tell you the story. He climbs on the boat and he starts to walk with them. I was actually told to go over to Assyria. You know them. They're like, yeah, those are bad dudes. Yeah, I was told to go over there. I was told to actually challenge them. No way, not doing that. So I'm running from the Lord. Yeah, okay. Why don't you just sit down right over there? You know, like I can't even imagine how that conversation goes as these guys are boating guys, major mariners, big time. And he's beginning to tell them about some God he's running from. But God has a plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. And as they're sharing this out with one another, it's amazing to see how it begins to move the men, right? The circumstances of our life can so change where we focus our attention. You know, you think of these waves, you think of the storm, you fast forward from where they were some 800 years to the time of Christ, and you get to Mark chapter four, and Christ is on the water with the disciples. He is actually with them. They have done some ministry. 
they decide to climb in the boat. Now, this is a different water, right? Jonah is actually in the Mediterranean, headed out, and Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee, separated apart. But Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee. And as he's climbing into that boat with the disciples that night, they said, let's go to the other side. And they're starting to head across. They're doing the rowing across. It's not very far across, a couple miles across. You can see the other side in the Sea of Galilee. And they're going across and things start to get bad. And the clouds roll in and the waves start rising up. The wind is blowing like crazy. The sheets of rain are coming down. These guys are grabbing on for dear life as they're rowing like crazy and getting nowhere. They're getting tossed to and fro. The waters are starting to splash into the boat. They are freaking out. They're like, what are you doing, Jesus? Wake up. Don't you care? Jesus ends up standing up, barely able to stand because of the waves. goes, peace. Be still. And you got to imagine that moment, man. As the disciples are lives at risk, waves blowing in, you hear the whoosh. Jesus demands, be still. And it goes, whoosh. And the boat's just floating in the water. And it's all quiet. And the disciples look at each other and go, who is this? that can command the sea to be quiet. And it's quiet. Man, Jonah is introducing them to the God in charge of the waves. Hear me. When we are in the middle of a circumstance, it needs to drive us to our knees where we are crying out, who is this? instead of the whining. Circumstances, man, it is so easy for us to be whiners instead of worshipers, right? May the circumstances of our life drive us to worship. That means that when it's getting bad, the first thing we do is not start evaluating how it's going to affect me. We're starting to say, God, where are you at in this? What do you want done in this? I'm looking for your hand in this. Lord, I'm longing for you to get the glory in this. What do you want, God? You. May we be worshipers, not whiners in the midst of our circumstance. And all of God's people said, that's an art. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some learning and some skill along the way. But Lord, in the middle of the storm, may I see you as the God in charge of it. And I'm coming to you on my knees. Make sure that the circumstances of life draw you to him, not cause you to run away from him. God does an amazing work as we worship him in the midst. All right? Point number three. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If we see what God is doing, if we allow the circumstances to drive us to our knees before him, Lord, may we now be humbled before you. It says, then they said to Jonah, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? Now, let me just say that a little differently with a little more emphasis on two words, ready? What may we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? Are you hearing it? 
They're like, dude, this God who you say has massive personal nature, he has high position and awesome power. He's kind of upset with you, man. And I don't know if you're noticing, but this isn't going well. So what happens to you so that we're good? Because it's sort of spilling over on us right now. And we'd like for that not to happen anymore, right? These mariners are like, can you please take your fleeing from the presence of Lord thing away from us, right? And uh, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. The boat was already about to fall apart. The mariners were already afraid. Now it's more and more tempestuous. Can you imagine how bad this thing is getting? This is getting to look a lot like the deadliest catch. You know what I'm talking about? You see these commercials where the boat's going straight up in the air. Guys are like attaching themselves to things so they can hold on and they're throwing things out to try to catch lobster. Are you kidding? It looks to me like it's time to go in. Just me, but I'd be like, hey, can we call it now? You know? These guys are just continuing to go after it. These guys are out in the middle of it and it is getting more and more deeper and deeper, heavier and heavier waves. The sea grew more and more tempestuous. Jonah said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. The Lord hurls the wind. The men hurl the cargo. Jonah tells them to hurl him. He says, it's me God wants, go ahead and hurl me in. Then the sea will quiet down for you. Now at this point, Jonah is completely thinking God is trying to take my life for my rebellion against. I guess it has to be done. And he's mistaken in that. God has very different plans in what he's trying to do. But Jonah says, take me and throw me in the sea. For I know that it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. Why? Because they just talked to a man of God who said that that God is upset with him. And they're like, what do we do? And he's like, here's the plan. Just throw me in and kill me. And they're like, let me get this straight. There's a God who's so massive that he can throw a wind anytime he wants and wreck this whole place. And we're supposed to take the guy who represents him and kill him. I don't think I want to stand that way with that God. I'm thinking, no. I'm thinking we're not going that way. I'm rowing the boat instead. Thanks for the tip. I'm out. And they start rowing the boat and ignoring the prophet of God. They're like, no thanks. It then says that as they rowed, they could not go. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. First it was bad, they were afraid. Then it was more and more tempestuous. Now it's more and more above the more and more. You know what I'm saying? It's ready to tear the thing apart. Therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, kind of obvious what it's there for, right? Like in this case, the whole thing is coming unglued. What do they do? Therefore, they called out to the Lord. Do not miss that. Giant, tough, burly mariners. And the circumstances and God moving in that place have shown him his power and authority into their life. And they are now calling out to the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. They have now cried out to Yahweh. They called out to the Lord. And they said, O oh Lord, 
Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. They're like, all right, we're getting ready to chuck him in, God. Please don't hold us accountable for his death. Please, we know he's your guy. And really, it seems like it's your setup. And we're trying to follow what he's saying and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. We've tried to do everything we could, God. So here we go. Please, Lord. Know that we've tried to do as you've pleased, and you have done as you pleased. So they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea. Can you imagine that moment? As the boat's doing this, and the waves and the wind are blowing, and you're getting pelted with rain, and it feels like knives, and you grab this guy, and you're like, one, two, three. And this guy goes up over the edge, and it's whoosh. And you're like, I can't believe we just did this. And he hits the water. And all of a sudden, and the boat's just floating. Can you imagine that moment? And you're those guys. And you just got brought to your knees calling out to the Lord saying, please God, be careful with us. And you did what you were told to do. And as soon as that man touches the water, it says, and the sea ceased from its raging. Done. And we serve the God who is personal. We serve the God of position, the God of heaven. And we serve the God who has power. And all of God's people said, and in the midst of this storm raging coming down, It says, then the men feared the Lord. Their fear is shifted off of the sea that might take their life, and they've placed it on the God in charge of the sea. The men now feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. Dude, these guys trusted in God Almighty. These guys got saved on a boat. And we got to grasp this. God's like, all right, I need you to go to Nineveh. We're going to save that. I need you to go over there and make some statement to them. And he's like, no, thanks. I'm going this way. Do you think that God knew that Jonah was going to say no, thanks? Answer? Yeah. So here's what we're doing. Jonah's like, no, thanks. The angels are like, can you believe it? God's like, yeah, I got it right? He starts to go the other way. They get on a boat. Where are they headed? God's like, they're headed for Tarshish. Why would they do that? He thinks he's got it in hand. I've got him in hand. Hang on. And as they get out in the middle, he brings this huge wind wave tempest to show who he is in the circumstances. And in that moment, he saves these men on this boat. Part of the trip to Nineveh was saving the guys on the boat. God has a plan. And all of God's people said, huge deal. It says, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. Man, God has amazing things he is doing in this world. And some of them are massive in nature. 
And some of them are at the individual level as he works person by person with us. God has a plan. Man, as we take each step in each day of our life, Lord, where would you like me to go? Lord, what words would you like me to say? God, may you get all the glory. Don't let the circumstances turn you into a whiner. May they put you on your knees, worshiping your God, saying, who, Lord, and where, Lord? May you get all the glory. I'm telling you, if we begin to fight in this world, as believers who believe this, we serve a personal God who is amazing to know. He has a position of authority that you would not believe. He is the God of heaven. And he is in charge of all creation. He is the God of the land and the sea. That's my king. And I worship him with all I've got. Lord, no matter what circumstances come, I'm ready to stand for you. And all of God's people said, all right. Let's just do this. Let's just take a few moments here and consider what God might be calling us to and who God might be calling us to. Just right where you are right now. And are there a couple of names that maybe God is beginning to stir you with? Maybe it's a friend or a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor where you've been sharing and interacting along the way. But it's time to say, Lord, I want to get really serious about being available to share. It's about God getting a hold of their hearts. God did all the work in this story. Jonah did nothing but take a stand for who God is. That's it. Who? Who might those couple of people be? So let's just take a moment right now, seriously reflective, even prayerfully reflective. Lord, who? Is there somebody that you would ask me to share with? Just get real with your God right now, taking a moment or two to reflect for a couple of names. Maybe you're in this room and the entire idea of who Jesus is is still a little bit foreign to you. And maybe the name you're to come up with right now is yours. And it's time to say, Lord God, I'm ready to respond to you. Scripture's super clear that if we believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, please hear that. Believe he is risen from the dead the dead. Please note what it does not say. Believe that he died on the cross. To be risen requires both. He died and he rose. We believe he is risen from the dead and confess him as Lord. You're in charge, God. Take over. And have you ever done that before? Have you ever locked that down? Literally praying it out, crying out to the Lord like these men did here and saying, Lord God, you're in charge. Please take over. 
and make right here and right now the time. Lock it in with your God. Just let him know, I believe you are risen and I confess you as Lord, I'm in. Please take over. Just take this time, get yourself right with your God and Lord, who? Who might I share that simple message with? Who? You might be like, Lord, I've already shared with them and they don't want to hear it. And look at the relentless love of our God. There were waves. And then there were more and more tempestuous waves. And then there were more and more tempestuous waves. God has a way of getting a hold of our hearts. Just be faithful. Be ready to share of who he is. And watch God rock this world. Who's he calling you to share with? Now here's what I'd ask. If you've come up with a name or two or three, and just take a moment to write them down and begin to pray for them. I mean, even right here and right now, if you want to write them down. Make sure you've got names written down. Make sure you know what you're going after. And begin to pray for them and to pray for opportunity. We're gonna continue to dig in over the course of these next few weeks and watching God work with his relentless love into the lives of people, may we be so fired up with his mercy and his forgiveness and his passion and his compassion.